Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. We are here to talk about Star Wars Catalyst. Woo! We're all very excited about it. We've got Jared, right? Yeah, kind of. He hasn't finished the book, but he decided to come anyway. So we'll see how this goes. It's like Jared in high school. He never finished the book anyway, but still had to show up to give his report. There's usually a movie to go with it, but I gotta <laughs> wait for this one. Oh, now you're giving uh, flashbacks of going back in high school and not finishing, not doing the homework, but pretending like he did. Like, I read the first 20 chapters and then the last chapter. Does that count? Yeah, it's been pretty well suppressed up until today. Nice. And if, if everybody listens very carefully, they'll occasionally hear Daniel in the background, like, as the voice of Darth Sidious, like, just kind of whispering over our I don't, ears. I don't... I don't remember Darth Sidious' jaw being wired shut, but, you know. Yeah, does everyone know what happened to Daniel? I'm sure they do. Uh, have we talked about it? I think we have. If you don't know, Daniel's mouth is wired shut because he had to get surgery on his job to fix his beautiful smile or something. Yeah. And, and it is a beautiful yeah, smile. He's looking a lot better now. Yeah, that one picture we got from your wife or whatever, like, two weeks ago, I was like, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I encouraged him not to show that on, on social media. Oh, it's funny. I think his wife shared it, like, right after. Are you serious? Oh, no. Oh, I'm so it sorry, Danny. Dang. Uh, but yeah, Star Wars Rogue One Catalyst. It's a prequel to the prequel that we're about to see. Oh, my gosh. We're, like, four days away, three days away, or whatever this airs away. From the movie, and I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I, I want to be at the theater. I want to be at the theater right now, and I want to see Saw back on the... I want to see him on the big screen in real life. Like, oh, Everybody so knows much. where Saw is from, right? Like, Saw, or however you say his name, Gurrera. his first Gurrera. appearance in Star Wars The Clone Wars, the Dave Filoni TV show on Cartoon Network, and he was pretty cool. He didn't get a lot of time on the show. But it's awesome to see a character go from a TV show that we know and love and into a live-action movie. And on top of that, we got a uh, Easter egg, or whatever you want to call it from the last teaser or TV spot, of the ghost flying around with the Rebel fleet, which we all know is from the Rebels TV show. It's it has got to be the ghost. I would okay. I'm not gonna lie. I'm going to scream at like a little giddy girl if we hear someone's voice like over the comm. Like 
just all all, all, I, all I'll need is just like a all right moving in or I cover your point or something like that like and I'll I'll just I'll be set for life. That's like it's pretty awesome. Or her or Ezra. Yeah. Or man, there's so many people. It's funny because exactly. I think everybody I know that watches the show, like if they want to talk about it or whatever, they're, they're pretty obsessed with it. It's not just like, oh yeah, I'll watch it with my kids every week. It's like, no, nah, yeah, they're waiting. They're waiting every weekend to see the new episode. Then they go online and talk about it and all that stuff. So it's a pretty big deal to all the Star Wars Rebels fans and even the Clone Wars fans that this is happening at all. And it also opens up doors to possibilities of other characters from books and video games making appearances in this or future films. So it's a huge deal. And it's pretty exciting. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, and I love how they did bring in Saul, like from from that to this book, um, and then to the movie, and just it, you're right, it really does. And I'm I know that it's all legends now, but I still hope I, I'm still holding out that we'll get to see a Dash Rendar one of these days. I think it's coming, dude. In Rebels, I really do. Like they uh-huh. had the twenty four hundred just a couple of episodes ago. They had that bratty little kid with the same attitude. Like he's coming. I have a feeling in my tits. He is coming. Is that is that where the feelings come from? It's an adapted feeling, but yes. They made me want to go to the doctor about that. I hear get that yeah, feeling. There's a cream. I hear. <laughs> nice. Okay. nice. So back to Catalyst. Uh, it is written by Lucino. Is that how you pronounce that name? I assume. Uh, I think so. Okay, yeah. you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, my bad. Is that better? That much better. Okay, sorry. Uh, so yeah, so sorry, I'll repeat that again. Uh, Catalyst is what it's called, a Rogue One novel, and it is written by James Lucino. And, and if you're an audio guy like me, it is read by Jonathan Davis, and uh, that's not the lead singer of Jonathan Davis, but this guy's still pretty cool. I was about to say, I was like, I I thought, no, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's not him. I, I appreciate him, though. Like, I appreciate this guy reading. I, I love his voices. Um, I really love the, the characterization he puts into it. You can tell that he, he's a fan of Star Wars by listening to him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's what, it was even cooler, because did you, you listen to on Audible, too, correct, Scott? I did, and this episode is brought to you by Audible.com. For real, we're just going to plug that a lot. Because it was so cool, <laughs> because they, they had essentially a background, you know, kind of sound effects, music going with it the whole time, that was, you know, Star Wars music, or, you know, with, like, uh, Time Fighters were shooting, or anything like that, like, it had sound effects with it, so it, like immersed you with the book that much more listening to it. I found excuses to drive around. Like, my <laughs> mom, like we, need to to, we need, we're almost out of milk, and I, I, I'll go, I'll go right now, and I would hop in the car and just listen to it on Take the way Take the down. longest route possible. <laughs> exactly. At lunch, every day, it was at Jimmy John's, and, you know, because... Yeah, if you guys don't have time, or any of the listeners don't have time to, like, actually sit down and read a book, because, I mean, who has time for that anymore? Pick up Audible, dude, like... I, I don't think I've read a book in maybe two years because Audible, sound effects, characterizations, it just immerses you in the story that much more, and you can do it anywhere, which is awesome. It really does. Daniel actually did the Ahsoka novel that way. I read it, and he had so much more free time than I did. I had to, I burned like an entire Saturday morning before we did the review of that, and he was just like, I listened to it through a week, like at double speed in my car. I'm just like, you got to be kidding. So what's yeah, even cooler about the Ahsoka one too is it's the girl who does the voice of Ahsoka in the Clone Wars reading it. So it's like it sounds like a weird third first person the whole time you're listening to it, but it's awesome. Oh, now I feel like I missed out even more because I love. Her. <laughs> oh, that's that's that's. Oh, what's her name? What's her name? Uh, what's that? Uh, what's that? I can look it up. 
But yeah, she's a great actress. I love I love her characterization. If you guys want to hear like a real, like, I think one of my favorite books from Audible, Star Wars books, because I've done tons of them. Ashley Eckstein. Favorite is the uh, or Eckstein. What's her name? Ashley Eckstein or Eckstein. Ah, yeah. That's it. That. So Ashley, yeah, my favorite well, uh, you can be on the book show. Audible ever has got to be the Thrawn trilogy. The Thrawn trilogy on Audible was absolutely spectacular. Definitely try that out. Definitely have to get uh, to that. Yeah. Um, okay. So well, we should probably get back to this book, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like we keep going off on other things. Um, okay, so, for, yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's it's everything leading up to Rogue One, and it starts essentially back during Clone Wars times. Yeah. Um, essentially, it starts in on Galen and Lyra Erso, who is obviously Jin Erso's parents, at their research facility on, I don't remember what planet it's on. It's odd, it's an ugly... It's it was a, like vault. No, it's cold, it's cold. Vault, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but, and yeah, and so that's happening during the Clone Wars. Like, they keep mentioning they're neutralists and they're not getting involved on either side of the war with the Republic or the Separatists, but they're just there doing research, so it's cool. It starts clear back in Clone Wars times and brings you all the way up to essentially the Rogue One movie, turning this... How many chapters is it? Like, 31 or something? Book? Sounds right. And, and it's really cool because you actually get to see some of the experiences from these movies, uh, not from any of the main characters' point of views, but from the point of view of just a normal person in this intergalactic war, like a civilian actually seeing this. And, and they run into battle droids in some parts. Um, they, they're, they're imprisoned by, in other parts. I mean, it's just it's very interesting to see all of these things that we're so familiar with and so used to seeing up close and personal almost happening in the distance, you know? It's yeah, a great segue, too, from the uh, prequels, which we all thought was written off by Disney. Like, they were just going to ignore them forever. We're going to get one or two lines in the new movies, and that's about it. But they really acknowledge what happened in the Clone Wars, Count Dooku, the Geonosians, a lot of things that we thought we probably wouldn't revisit again, ever. And they're segueing it into Rogue One rather flawlessly. And it's interesting to get some closure on some events that we had zero closure on within a 19-year period. That's true. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorite things, and pretty much at the beginning of the novel, is, yeah, if you remember back in Attack of the Clones, you see the Geonosian Duke, Duke or whatever he's called, holding the lesser. eventually for the Death Star and showing Count Dooku, and it kind of goes into depth more about that. And how it went into getting Geonosians to essentially get ready to build that battle station. Oh, like oh okay. Down on Geonosis. Are we are we going to go into the uh, the full out review of the book, or are we doing spoiler free? I don't know. I don't know how to do spoiler free. So. <laughs> okay. Well, how about this? Um, uh, I think we pretty much covered. You know what it is. Like we know the background. Orson. We find out about Orsakrenic, who's the main bad guy in the new movie. We find. We see Saw. We already talked about that. Um. I think we pretty much set them up, so should we go into the spoilers and, and give them the warning? If you don't want any spoilers from this book, if you want to read it, leave now. Or forever, hold your peace. <laughs> okay, we'll give you five, four, find the stop button. you got to find it. Two, one. Okay, pause the lesson. No, you can stay. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm good. I'm going to finish it. Uh, okay. So, should I go back over that part, or what, what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, go back to when we first meet Orson Craddock, and they're talking about 
what happened to the Geonosians and, and Count Dooku's involvement and all that stuff. Go for it, man. Well, so it's kind of happening in two different parts, because uh, Death Art and I believe, like, so, right, you said they're on vault, right? Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, okay, okay, so Orson Krennic and Saw, I believe, no, not Saw, Haas. Haas is there to pick them up, right? The first time when they're there being escorted off the planet. And who is Haas? Haas, Haas Obit. Um, I don't know his species, but he's like a short little guy. Um, but he is like one of my favorite characters. He's like this, uh, he starts out as a smuggler, and he Orson Krennic kind of corners him and basically says, you know, hey, I've heard all these great things about you, and you're going to help me now. Otherwise, I know a way to ruin you, so many ways to ruin you, and kind of blackmails him into helping him, and it leads Haas to a lot of profit, and then he suddenly realizes that he's Orson's little, like, go-to guy that that Orson's using, or Orson Krennic, I guess I should say Krennic, is using to, like, completely mess up the galaxy. Like, he uses Haas... Can I just reveal it? Is that okay? Is that we're in we're in spoiler mode? Right? I know it'll spoil it for Jared, probably, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jared. Do you want to leave? Yeah. Okay. So one of the ways, and and that's one thing that always bothered me is how they had all the supplies for, to build the Death Star. One of the ways they got these supplies was that they would smuggle war, uh, weapons from this the the civil from the war um, into Haas's ship. And then Haas would take and deposit and, and deliver it onto these planets, and then the Empire would move in and say, "Oh, well, you have these illegal weapons that they would find in these search and seizures," and say, "Now your planet belongs to us. We are putting a, a block on this planet. No one can come. No one can go." And they would just devastate and rip the planet apart for its for its resources. And Haas was was instrumental in basically. Being, he, he helped destroy two planets at least um, to be ravaged for their for their minerals for their supplies um, and completely destroyed core worlds that were supposed to be protected and 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 so he he has this horrible like falling out and he, he has to come to grips with what he's done and it's just it's it's a great it's really nice to to follow this character as he goes from rogue or from a scoundrel from like smuggler to something more when he realizes that he doesn't want to have part in this anymore with Orson Krennic. And it's just, oh, 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 I love Hawks. And I, I, I wish that he was in the movie and I don't think he is. Like, I think he was, yeah, well, it could be a big reveal, but right now he's not, it doesn't mention him on IMDb or anything. So he like doesn't, that. uh, fall to his doom at any point in this, in this book. No, no, he, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hate, I hate spoilers. I really hate giving away spoilers. But if people are still sticking around, then then they know. Um, no, he and Saw obviously Saw uh, both make it to the end of the book. But uh, and he and Saw actually team up, become friends, become like uh, accomplices, and become rebels together. And it's so awesome to see that that spark of rebellion as the uh, the Empire tries to take more planets, and they finally stand up for them. And it's just. That's pretty. Cool. That's when the book gets good. It's like in the last third of the the book when you're like, I can't stop reading this. Yeah, and I don't know. Essentially, I mean, we assume Haas lived, but he technically runs a diversion with Orson Krennic, so that ha or Haas runs a diversion with Orson Krennic, so that Saw and the Ursos can get away. 
so we, I guess, don't technically know if Krennic found out that he might kill him. But we don't know. Maybe it'll be resolved in the movie. I, I hope he does to kind of give, like, some footprint. I don't know if you're going to end up the Haas thing real quick there, Scott. We, we can, I, I was just going to mention what happens to him at the end. I mean, yeah, go I can tell what happens at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the book. No, no, no. Really. Go on, go on, go on. We'll, we'll leave that as a surprise. We'll leave that as a surprise. Okay, so basically all I was going to say is that just to kind of get a footprint on, on what's going on and the plot of the, of the book itself, because I've read, I don't know, probably 30, 40% of it already. Um, to set everything up, the Empire is basically trying to use uh, Jen Erso's parents. Uh, they capture them at the very beginning of the book. And they're pretty much holding, um, what's his name? Galen. Galen's uh, wife as a hostage in order for him to accomplish certain tasks and stuff for them and to basically be the brains behind a lot of what they want to do. And uh, why don't you pick it up? No, I'm okay. <laughs> um, well, so that's what I was going to say. And actually, this is why I love Orson Krennic. He actually does it so perfectly and kind of just manipulates the whole situation that Galen thinks most of the time it's he's in control and it's his idea. Not really at any time does he feel like him and his family are in danger. He thinks Orson's trying to help him out. And they're just doing it, you know, kind of as a buddy thing. But, like, Orson the whole time is totally manipulating him. And I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool. He reminds me so much of Thrawn in the way that he goes about getting what he needs and the way he strategizes how he gets from point A to point B. Because it's not as if he's putting a gun to your head at any point. It's more like, I'm holding all the cards. This would be smart move for you to progress further. Well, well for example, yeah, and, and can, I, can I jump off of that real quick, Jared? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, the impression that I got from, from hearing reading about Orson and Krennic was that he was originally based on Thrawn, and that was, I would assume, in a world before we actually had Thrawn show up in Rebels. Like, he yeah. was, and, and based on his clothing, based on how his character is, I, it would not surprise me if he was originally supposed to be a, a replacement for Thrawn um, before they brought him into Rebels. Exactly. And, and because, yeah, he does. He plays that long game that McKay was talking about uh, when, the, when the Ursos get out of the, uh, the prison and are looking for another job. Orson basically goes around to every single employer and blackballs the Ursos so they can't work anywhere. So that Galen gets so immensely bored that he actually goes to to uh, to Orson at one scene and says, look, I have this amazing idea for our own power company. You should leave the Empire and come create this with me. And Orson's just like, oh, that's interesting. And it's just... It, yeah, oh, he just pisses it off like... Okay, cool. That's a great idea. We should totally do that. <laughs> and, it's, and, and just how he sells it too. So, and for me, I didn't ever, I didn't read everything extended universe. So, also in this book, you learn that essentially the Kyber crystals that are used to make Jedi lightsabers and everything are, are what they use to power the Death Star and destroy planets. So, and to add a little bit of substance to that, I was talking to you about this yesterday, McKay. If you watch some of the, the unfinished episodes of the Clone Wars, you see them kind of in the process of doing that for the Death Star. Where? Giant freaking kyber crystals that the Separatists are gathering for a reason unknown to them. 
that Anakin and Obi-Wan stumble upon. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so now I haven't seen this. I've, I've seen the screen caps, and in the book, they specifically talk about two of these giant kyber crystals. Convenient that they have two of them, and, you know, we're going to have two Death Stars. Um, but how many do they actually see in this? In, in, can you expound a little bit more on the, the giant kyber crystals from, from the Clone Wars cartoons? So... In that one episode, so I don't know if everybody knows this, but the uh, Clone Wars was canceled, and there was a bunch of episodes that were unfinished. They decided to go ahead and do the sound effects and all of the readings and voiceovers for those episodes and release them on YouTube. They're free, and they're still pretty awesome. You don't even notice the the unfinished animation after a while. Um, So one of those episodes features a giant kyber crystal that the Separatists have gotten their hands on, and Obi-Wan, Anakin, they stumble on it, and they're trying to figure out what it is and why they're going after it. And once they figure out that it's a kyber crystal, um, I don't remember how it unfolds quite as much, but I know that they figure out it's for a weapon. And originally, again, I don't know that I don't remember the source of this information. There was quite a few um, kyber crystals, big ones, needed for just the one Death Star. And they were very, very rare, very expensive, and probably the most complicated uh, item to ship or smuggle. So originally, there was supposed to be a ton of, of these giant crystals for the one Death Star. I don't know how the new EU has changed it, but if you want to see an episode that does feature one of those big crystals, you can find it on YouTube. I just looked it up, and I know exactly where I'm going after this. In fact, do you guys want to wrap this up? I'm going to go watch watch this. Is that is that is that okay? Is that... <laughs> Yeah, cool. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, bye. Oh, you screwed up your mess. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> okay. Um. So another thing that kind of happens more towards the end of the book, but it kind of seems like uh, Admiral Targan, later Bob Targan, and Orson Krennic are also kind of competing to eventually be the head of the Battlestar. The Grand Moff Targan. Or the Grand Moff. Yeah. yeah. Of the, you know, Battle Station, the Death. And they kind of keep trying to undermine each other also to get more favor with the Emperor and I can't remember the other guy's name that seems to be above them, but it's just kind of funny watching their little competition try to play out. And essentially Orson Krennic just has Galen Erso and that's just what keeps getting him more and more favor. Yeah, yeah. It's funny to see their personalities, like they're very, very different people in the way they go about getting what they want. Because Orson's very chill, he's very collected and focused, and I feel like I feel like Tar- uh, Tarkin is more like aggressive and kind of a jerk. <laughs> and I, I mean, ultimately, we see who wins. But it, in my mind, I don't know how the story completely unfolds because of Rogue One. Um, I feel like Krennic was probably more qualified for the position, ultimately. Um, he was. Yeah. You'll find out when you read the end of the book why he did essentially get the job. But, uh, <laughs> well, we don't even know that yet. I mean, as far as we know, in... No, uh, it says in the book, well, he gets demoted because of certain things. But yeah. I, I don't know. Some um, pictures. Yeah. So with Galen or so too, he is obsessed with his research, with his work. That's pretty much we all... We never told anybody what his work is. He grows yeah. the, the synthetic kyber crystals. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, and so, with with Orchid Krennic being the genius that he is, he keeps using it as, oh, you know, the Emperor's looking for a sustainable, like a was sustainable, unlimited energy power. source, power, so whatever. Power. Huh. And so, and 
Caleb's like, and oh, he wants to use it to uh, power primitive worlds. Uh, he says that just one crystal could power a continent, if not an entire planet, by itself. Yeah. And it would so bring his whole piece to reality. And so Galen, essentially, is, is, uh, is he's totally for it. He's like, it's great for, you know, for Jen and future generations. He's like, I could really make a difference and save, essentially, the galaxy by doing that. But, but you know, not knowing that Orson Krennic is actually having him do it so that he can turn it into a weapon. Okay, that's our laser beam. And he totally doesn't know, like, the whole time. He keeps hearing about the other research labs and, it's not working out. They can't, uh, what's it, like, essentially copy, essentially, his work, what he's doing, and then once he finds out that they're weaponizing it, then, then he finally realizes, I've been playing this whole time, and it's just like, <gasps> Which is crazy, because I feel like uh, Galen in himself is a, is a very smart guy. He, he's got some rough edges, but he reminds me a lot of uh, maybe Qui-Gon Jinn. Like, he's... He's pretty uh, inept and instinctual to what's going on, but at the same time, I, as far as I hear, Krennic's long game is flawless if he's able to pull it off that long. And what's crazy is, yeah, how long a century is the book, like, as far as time periods go? It's like over ten years, right? If it Easily. starts the century and the Clone Wars goes all the way up to Rogue One, like, he really did play one of the longest games and pretty much worked out for the whole time, like... Yeah, yeah, and and it's not that, and that's one thing that I always thought uh, watching the trailers for Rogue One. I figured that Galen Erso was a bad guy. Was you know he was part of the power hungry uh, empire that wanted to take over the world, and that's even kind of the impression that I got from those trailers because we don't really go into his character there. Um, it's just you know, oh, he's he's Jin's father. You know, we have to, I have to save him. Almost like it's like that Luke trying to save his father thing. But reading the books, no, he is. He's a good man who's just so obsessed with his science. He wants to discover the secrets these kyber crystals hold, so much so that he creates artificial ones. And then when real kyber crystals are presented to him, even though he knows that they could only have come from a Jedi's lightsaber, he still can't resist but to take them, to study them, to, to find out their secrets. It's, it, it's, it's really interesting to watch. And then in the, in the trailers now, we can see that Jin has one of those kyber crystals, at least I assume it's a kyber crystal, that her mother ties around her neck. And you see the size of it, and that's that's a lightsaber kyber crystal right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway. But yeah, it's, it's just interesting that his, his desire for science and to further mankind kind of will... I, I think that he, he, knew, he knew. I think he knew deep down in his heart that something was wrong, but he wouldn't let himself believe it. Um, just because of the, the, he got lost in the discovery and the passion of science, and yeah, but he he regrets that and he tries to to make amends for it in the end. And that's what I think is weird too, because I mean, with connecting this book now to the Rogue One movie, I mean, we'll know obviously more once we see it. But it's interesting because with the book essentially, you think they get away, but then obviously we know with the movie, the Empire shows right back up and picks him up. So I wonder what they did to be like, no, kid, this time you're coming with us and you're staying with us, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm pretty sure it's going to be threatening his daughter, like, and his wife, or maybe even killing his wife. That would be sad. But that's what, I like, so obviously they didn't get to a world that was very 
I don't know, as discreet as they thought or wasn't under control of the Empire or something. I don't know. It just, the book kind of full circle. I'm like, all right, that's good. But then I'm like, wait, obviously none of that really matters because we know he's about to get picked up and the Death Star's getting built. Yeah. Oh, they're probably wanting to protect their intel as well by picking him back up. And something else that's going to be interesting is Saw's relationship to the family, since Saw is actually the one, Saw Gerrera is the one who actually gets them out of there. And he flies to the planet. It wouldn't surprise me if he actually looks out after little Jin, um, after her father is taken. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how much they show that on screen, but obviously I think Jin was four, essentially, when the catalyst ends, and then she's, what, 19 when Rogue One is supposedly supposed to start. Yeah. So, essentially, a 15-year period will happen between then. So, yeah, I mean, they've got another little hold of film that stuff, but... So, well, do we think that the planet that we first see Jin Erso in in the trailers... I have to assume that that's Vault, because a lot of the descriptions that they had in the beginning of the book matches what was in uh, the trailer that we saw so far. It's, no, because she's not even born when they're... Her, doing their research on the first planet in the book. Oh, I see. Lyra still has her. So by that time, that's got to be after they've already run away to some planet at the the end. I don't remember the name of the planet, but I assume it's going to be that one. Yeah. I would concur. But... So, um, overall review? Uh, yeah, we can just give our little overall kind of thing about it and wrap it up, I think, now. Daniel, this is why we miss you so much. He's so much more decisive. We're like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about this person. Yeah, this person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, McKay, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. Okay. Um, so for me, like, I would say on a scale of... I would say if you're, you're a dedicated Star Wars fan, if you are hard to the core, like, you know... Uh, that Grand Moff Tarkin, that Moff was like a title, that you can't live without Star Wars in your life, you need to read this book. If you're a fan, if you see every episode of Clone Wars, of, 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 of uh, Rebels, read this book, um, either before or after the movie, find out that tie, because we're going into a new story with very few characters that we actually will know, except for Dar- like Darth Vader, you'll love it. Um, I think for the casual Star Wars fan, this book is is a pass because for the first like half of the book, I'll admit, or not even the first half, for the first like quarter, I, I it was so slow, it was very political. There's a lot of setup. There is so much setup, and I can understand why because that last quarter of the book, like it just gradually picks up, and once you hit that last quarter, you're like, yes, this is awesome. I just and, it, and it, it flies by, and suddenly, before you realize it, it's a blink of an eye. Um, out of ten, I would give it a. I'd give it a seven. I'd give it a seven out of ten. Um, but again, not for the casual Star Wars fan. I think you're going to be bored, and I think that just mentioning like that guy that's next to the Emperor, you know, the guy with the, the blue guy with the long little like tendril things, it, the references are not going to be enough for you to be able to sustain you through the book. So. That, that's just my personal opinion. But if you're a Star Wars, it's a must-read. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much going to go along the same lines of that, because I agree. I am so obsessed with Star Wars that literally anything Star Wars pretty much intrigues me. But even reading the first few chapters of the book, or listening to it, 
I was kind of like, eh, there's a lot of background story, but I'm like, yeah, you know, it's kind of important, and, you know, Jim's parents or whatever, I cared a little bit. But, yeah, then, as soon as it, <laughs> essentially the Revenge of the Sith part happened in, like, five <laughs> minutes at the last part of a chapter, and then I, I was just essentially hooked from then on. It kind of was like, okay, we're bringing it up to date now, now here's the story. It's like, oh, all right, cool. So... Yeah, if you're just on a book, I, I don't know if I would recommend this to you, but if you're a Star Wars fan and you want to know every little detail about everything, and I think it's a great setup for Rogue One. I was kind of going in half-blind about the characters, but now I've gotten to know a lot of characters, and I'm super excited to see them. So, again, excited. yeah, probably 7 out of 10 for me, too. I, I think it was great, and I loved the audiobook. It helped me a lot, too, because it had the music and the sound in the background, and the guy, Jonathan Davis, is a great narrator. He gave, you know, essentially each character a semi-different voice. It was awesome. Awesome. Uh, okay, so I haven't finished the book, obviously. But from what oh, I was you I'm, suck. Still, I'm still at the kind of the slow part. Things are starting to pick up a little bit. Um, but what's very intriguing and important to me is that, again, like McKay said, I'm starting to develop an understanding and a relationship with these characters something that I wouldn't have if I hadn't read it, if I because obviously I need to finish it before Thursday. But it's going to add a lot of substance to the film, which is number one. That's probably most important to me. Number two, there's a lot of time in this book, and there's a lot of time between Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One. A lot of time, and a lot is happening in between it. And if you think about it, every Star Wars movie only has a few years between it, I think, uh, if we don't count um, between Episodes 1 and 2. And if you want to get the full spectrum of what you're about to experience and have a pre-existent relationship and a pre-existing investment in these characters, I would say pick it up. If you want to, if it's just solely to enhance your movie experience, if it's just being selfish like that, I say it's well worth the read, even if you're not a Star Wars fan. If you are a Star Wars fan, take every little bit of this information, bottle it up, and just treasure what you're getting because... It's an opportunity you don't get very often. And um, for me, right now, at the point I'm at, I would probably do like a 6 or 7 because it's very, very slow. But as a Star Wars fan, I give it a 10 because it's really interesting to hear about what happened after Revenge of the Sith, what happened to the Geon Oceans, Kyber Crystals, the development of research and manipulation and the Empire's grip on everybody at this point in time, like... Very, very solid stuff. So I would recommend it. Cool. All right. Anything else? I want to go see The Crystal Crisis, the uh, Clone Wars missed episode now. I feel like I need Dude, you to. should do it. Watch all yeah, of like, them. They're all spectacular. Because they, they, they talk so much in depth about where these giant, about these giant crystals, and you get the feeling reading that you're just like, oh, there's so much more. I know that there's more to this story than what they're saying. And that bugged me because I felt like I was missing something, and now I have to go watch those. So <laughs> just wait till you see the size of this mofo crystal, dude. It is huge, <laughs> uh, and it's it's green in the in the anim, in the animation, right? Because I think yeah. the book they describe it as clear. I think the new Star Wars lore is that all crystals are clear, and depending on the user, it'll turn red, green, or blue. I don't. Love it. Uh, kind of weird. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do remember the next people freaking out because red normally meant that they had, like, tried to use the poison. I don't remember. 
Yeah, but Sith originally used synthetic crystals, and they were all yeah. Yeah, and uh, they actually go to that into that in the Ahsoka novel that the reason that they're red is because the dark side user forces them to their will, bends the crystal to the world, in essence makes them bleed, um, basically forcing their will upon them. So I like the original EU, but that's pretty cool too. It's legend shared. That doesn't matter anymore. It's not real. Whatever. <laughs> hey, I don't like the fact that Luke has the synthetic crystal in his green saber. I'm not going to lie. That still bothers me. Well, that's a debate, an argument for another time. It's a hard time to be a Jedi, my friend. <laughs> With that, we're out of here. All right. Peace out, everybody, and it's game time. This is the first time I've Deadpooled in a month. Deadpool! Oh, suck it, nerds. Hey guys, now that the holidays are here, and with Jared and Jessica on Baby Watch 2016, and Daniel out with jaw surgery, the Dungeon Crawlers team will be pushing back to one show a week until the beginning of the new year. I'm sure if Daniel was here, he'd be sure to say, And remember to follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. Thanks guys, and happy holidays, whatever that may be.